The following podcast is a Dear Media production. I think the biggest game that I was like the most nervous and anxious about was the first game because I was like, oh my God, I am playing in a World Cup. Like it doesn't get bigger than this. I was very nervous until like I got the first touch of the ball. And then I was like, okay, well, you know, this is just another game. And like, I've been doing this for a long time. So like, just do my best and contribute how I can. And I have 10 other players on the field that have my back. Hey, everybody, and welcome to RealPod. I'm Victoria Garrick, former D1 athlete and mental health and body image advocate. Every Wednesday, I'll be bringing you awesome guests, weekly inspiration, and the realest conversations around everything and anything. Now let's get real. Welcome back to RealPod, everybody. I hope you're doing fantastic. Joining us today is such an iconic guest. I'm hyped. Sitting down on the pod today is Abby Dahlkemper. She's a professional soccer player, and she was a part of the 2019 U.S. Women's National Soccer Team that won the World Cup Championship. You probably saw this. You probably saw it on Twitter. You probably saw it on the news. This team is truly a squad of trailblazers who are breaking glass ceilings and just inspiring the next generation and current generation of female athletes. Abby is a stud. She's a defender. She played the most minutes, fun fact, at of anyone on the field at the World Cup Games. And she is from my hometown. So Abby and I actually went to the same high school. It is such a small world. And I am so grateful that she came on RealPod. Today, we are going to talk all about Abby's story as a soccer player, what she's been through, all the ups and downs. And also, she's going to share everything about the World Cup Games from this being her first time there, what it was like playing on the highest level of soccer field possible to playing with greats like Alex Morgan and Abby Wambach. And then also talking about those harder parts of the game, like being mentally tough, being confident in yourself when things are tough. So I'm excited to dive into this conversation today. Abby is fantastic. You guys chose an awesome episode. Right before we dive into the episode, I did want to give a shout out to Ange Van Pelt. She left such a kind review. It says, as a student athlete who has struggled with performance anxiety, this podcast has helped me so much. I wish I could go back and share with my younger self all that I have learned from Victoria and her awesome guests. Now with my final college season, I'm still in a limbo, but this podcast gives me hope that no matter what happens, I will be okay. Ange Van Pelt, thank you so much for leaving this review. This truly makes my heart so happy. This is why I think Abby will be such a fantastic guest today. Just another athlete getting real about the ups and downs of sport. So once again, Ange, I really appreciate it. I see you. I hear you. And I am so grateful that you listen to RealPod. If you guys want to leave a review and a rating of the show, you can do that on iTunes. It takes less than 10 seconds and you just might be the review I read out next week. I love hearing from you guys. So please, please, please leave a review. Okay, with that said, let's dive into this episode. I'm so excited. Put your hands together for the iconic Abby Dahlkemper. Have you been on a podcast before? Not like this, I don't think so. You've done a lot of media, though. U.S. women's soccer does a lot of media. There's like a million cool videos of you about your life. I was like, oh, my gosh. Yeah. 
there is. And I feel like that's obviously a good thing. Cause I hopefully am like good at it now, you know, it's like, I feel like right. I've gotten like used to talking to people, but I feel like I'm like a talker in general. So glad I'm on a podcast. <laughs> I mean, it's audio. That's exactly what you need to be as a talker. And I'm so happy about that too, because you never know with athletes. Cause some people are obviously great athletes. They've accomplished incredible yeah. things, but can they sit there for like 45 minutes and actually talk about what goes into that? And yeah. you know, it's, it's hit or miss, but it's definitely gonna be a hit with you. And I mean, we went to the same high school, so I feel like no matter what, we just get so many things of the same things. Even I saw a video, yeah. Mr. Moffat was in it. And I was like, Moffat. Oh my God. That is so funny. Wait, did we overlap? No, I wasn't there when, because when did you graduate? I feel so old. Um, 2011. No, I, uh, I graduated in 2015. Maybe. Okay. So maybe we, you were a freshman and I was a senior. I actually spent my freshman year at St. Francis plot twist, Okay, but then I transferred. So I did my, my final three years. I actually did a chem honors with Tierna Davidson. So it was so funny. I love so. Yeah. It's so cool to see her success because I just remember her being like the smartest one in chem honors. I mean, I haven't talked to her since chem honors, but I think she probably thought I was like so annoying and I knew nothing about chem, but she's like the nicest ever. Yeah, she's brilliant. I can't believe two incredible soccer players who are on the U.S. women's national team both went to this very small private school in Menlo Park that was what, like D4 in soccer? Yeah, literally D4. I have no idea what D it was, but yeah, it's nuts. When she like first got called in, I was, I had heard her name, but I like didn't match up with her grade wise or age wise at all. So like we missed each other completely, but yeah, it's like such a crazy thing that like two girls from like a small town in the Bay area are like on, like, I know the street she lives <laughs> on. Yes. So we are like kind of travel buddies whenever I'm like going home to California. Oh my gosh. I love that. Now, when you were at Sacred Heart, did you have aspirations of, I want to play pro? I want to win a world cup. Like, were you dreaming big or were you small town mindset, small town girl? Yeah. I think it started like obviously as the passion and I loved just like playing soccer and I was like so sporty. So I was outside. I have an older brother. So I was just wanting to like rough house with like him and his friends and like play sports and do whatever. But I think, you know, obviously like when high school rolled around and the college talk and all that. Like I definitely had aspirations of playing professional and being on the national team and hopefully going to the Olympics or the world cup and doing all that stuff. I still remember too, I like went to this tournament with my club team and we watched like the 99 documentary, like on the 99ers and they were like such a moving like group of women who progressed soccer in like the US for women. And I was like, oh my God, like that was like the first time I was like, I want to do what they're doing. And so like having them kind of pave that way was so crucial and important. And I feel like it's kind of like this full circle thing now that yeah. I feel like I'm in such an influential like group of women who are like, Hell yeah, you to, are. <laughs> like knock down barriers and fight for equality, you know? And so I think that that's such a special thing. So to answer your question, yes, I definitely did like have dreams and aspirations to like shoot big and, and like shoot for the stars. I was actually going to ask you about this, like at the end, but it's relevant right now. And I mean, you brought it up. What is it like to be a part of a team that is a part of such a moment that is 
breaking all these glass ceilings and having such a worldly impact. And it's so cool for me, like even just when I was researching, I know a lot about you, but of course I got to make sure I know every single detail before this interview. And I have just chills watching these various documentaries about the soccer team, hearing about your story, the injuries you've overcome, the self-doubt you've overcome, and then to now where you all are and how it's so much more than just soccer for so many female athletes. Yeah. I think it's hard sometimes to like realize how big of a moment you're kind of in. And I think sometimes I like really I try and like stop and be like, whoa, like I am a part of such an incredible group of women who obviously so, so talented on the field and are successful on the field and, you know, win at all costs. Like that is like the U S soccer mentality, but to also kind of like use our platform in such a positive way and try and strive for like changes that like need to be changed and, you know, stereotypes that like need to be broken and this like win at all costs on the field, but also we want to win at all costs kind of off the field as well. And like standing up for what we believe in and knowing that like we have power as this unity of people. And so I think that that's really special and I'm like so honored and so thankful to be a part of such an amazing group of women and just going into my national team debut, I guess I was just, I still remember being so nervous, like so nervous and anxious being like, even just nervous for like, Oh my God, who's going to be my roommate? What am I going to say? <laughs> are like, are they going to think I'm cool? Like, I was I, just going to say, are they going to think you're cool? <laughs> yeah. Like I literally was like, Oh my God, I was so nervous for like, being in camp 24 seven, not just on the field, obviously on the field is like a whole different story too, but they, they welcomed me with open arms and it was such a strong culture that you just kind of had to like hop in with two feet and be a part of and like kind of pave this way and lead the charge. <laughs> Sorry, Bless you. Like Maybe <laughs> sneeze. I was trying not to interrupt your amazing moment there. No, you're fine. Um, what I was going to say is just like, I feel like the more I was consistently in the, the U S environment, the more I kind of like found my voice and like, was like, Oh wow, I can like use my platform in such a positive way. And people are looking up to me just as I was looking up to like the 99ers in that documentary. Yes. It was like such a full circle moment, but it also was kind of like, okay, I need to like put my big girl pants on and be a good role model and use my platform well. Yeah. And I love how we started off hot with just, because you can't, I can't be talking to Abby Dahlkemper and we can't go right to all the incredible stuff that is happening with the team because it's just, it deserves all the light and all the attention. But the thing that people don't always realize is every single person on this team that has a platform and has a role had to start somewhere. And there's been so many ups and downs in getting there. And usually we look at the success and we think it was easier. We say, oh, that's Alex Morgan. Oh, that's so-and-so. And you forget the roster cuts, the injuries, the anxiety, the things that were a part of that journey as well. What were some of the early things you struggled with as a pro transitioning from that hot UCLA career, national champion to now I'm a professional soccer player? Yeah, that's a really good question. I think, I think at every level, you know, you have to like, kind of like step it up and like get out of your element and be like, Whoa, like there's another level that I'm not at right now, but I need to get to performance wise. 
and even like mentality wise, like obviously, you know, you had fun on your club team and then, okay, I'm going into high school sports. Now I'm taking a step into college and, you know, like just at every level, you have to like step it up. So I think, you know, definitely like coming from UCLA and kind of riding that high, we had such a good class and we were, you know, we won a lot of games and like had such a good career there. I got drafted to Western New York and our first year was like really tough. We didn't do that well. And, you know, being a professional athlete is such a unique lifestyle. I realized my first year that everything you do off the field adds up to your performance on the field. And my first year, like, wasn't taking it seriously enough, you know, like I I didn't do the things I needed to do in order for me to like be my best self on the field. And, you know, I'm glad that that happened because I used it as like a learning tool and being like, okay, well, that's not going to work for me. So the next year coming in, we actually got a new coach. And so this was my second year professionally. And that's the same year, 2016, that I got my first call up for the national team. And I, you know, really started to try and be like, okay, like if I really want this, I need to go all in and make sure I'm doing everything in my power to like make sure that I give myself like the best chance to be on this team and to make the national team, which I obviously really wanted to do. And my teammates around me were getting calls up to national team. So I was just like hoping that that would be like a possibility for me. So yeah, I think it was just really important for me to realize that I had to, you know, do everything as far as nutrition, sleep, doing things like not going on like wild excursions or like (laughs) if we had an off weekend, staying put and like staying in, which like obviously was hard because I feel like I have friends that are going out and being social and like going to bars and drinking and doing all that stuff, which is great. But like, I just had to realize that, you know, my time frame of being this professional athlete is like worth more to me personally than like the social aspect of it. I also think like too, just my mentality and my like self-talk of being like, okay, I belong here. I feel like mentally I'm just more wired to like break myself down or be like, you know, like scared to do things or anxious, obviously. Like I, I'm just like an anxious, naturally anxious person. And so I think having like this positive self-talk is really important. And it still is so important for me to be like, you've worked hard. Like you have done everything in your power to be given this opportunity. So now just like go out and like take it, you know? And, but I think in the beginning of my professional career and like when I was on like getting called in the national team, I was like so nervous and anxious to like make mistakes and like, like not do good. (laughs) I want to talk about this self-talk because I'm so happy that you brought this up because it was something I noticed in watching some of your interviews was even your coach would say she has everything. She just needs to believe in herself. And then there was another interview with your mom, which I thought was so special. And your mom said something like, Abby's gorgeous, yet she says I'm not pretty. Abby's so good at soccer, yet she says I'm not fast. And just kind of saying how you've had these times where you have everything you need, but then mentally it's how do you also believe, you know, what you really are capable of? And that inner critic, I mean, that anxiety, something I dealt with, obviously not at the same level as you, but I mean, would you call that an imposter syndrome? What was navigating that like for you? 
yeah, it was, it was so hard. And I think it's just like something that I like have just dealt with my whole life, but also I just am going to have to continue to deal with because I feel like it's like a double-edged sword. Like I feel like it's great because it's gotten me to where I am today. Because you're constantly pushing yourself exactly. to be better. Like, I'm never, never satisfied. satisfied. I'm never like, exactly, Jinx. I like, I just <laughs> feel like I strive to just be better and better, which is is awesome. But sometimes I feel like I need to take a step back and like I said, pat myself on the back and be like, wow, you know, you're doing great. Being my own biggest fan is like so important. And I've like had to realize that. I can look to people for advice and for help and they can, you know, tell me X, Y, Z things. But like at the end of the day, I'm going to have to implement those things. I'm going to have to believe those things. No one else is going to do my job on the field for me or like live my life for me. So, you know, it's great to have positive impacts from people off the field, but I also have to like be able to take control of that and really kind of do it myself. And I, like I said, I think it's, just going to be work in progress forever. And that's like fine. And that's normal. And I think a lot of people go through that. But I think kind of knowing yourself and how you're wired is really important to try and be your best self. Popping in real quick. Hey guys, it's me. I just wanted to let you know that if you ever want to ask me a question or if you're ever wondering, oh, I wish I could say something to Victoria, that I just joined a service called Hey Hero, where you can ask me any questions you want, and I will send you a video response back. Yes, so fun. It's basically like we're FaceTiming. You can head to heyhero.com slash influencer slash Victoria Garrick, and for a small fee, you can submit your question, and I will send a video response back. The link is also in the description of this episode, so I hope you go check that out. I would love to hear from you. I would love to hopefully help you give you any words of wisdom or encouragement that you might be needing. So once again, you can head to heyhero.com slash influencer slash Victoria Garrick, or click the link in the description of this episode. And for a small fee, ask me anything you want. I'll be sending you a video response back this week. Can't wait to hear from you. Hi, I'm Shanae Alexander, host of Press Send, a podcast, and more importantly, a safe and hilarious place for candid conversations about the scary, funny, heartbreaking, but always intriguing questions that make us all human. Each week, me and a new best friend you haven't met yet field your questions across any and all topics and offer our take on the matter with plenty of humor, heart, and badassery along the way. We launch a new episode of Press Send every Wednesday. We'll see you there. Did you have any moments that you will remember forever, whether it was a teammate on the national team or your first professional coach or something a parent said or something that happened to you where in a moment you it changed everything and you felt that confidence come or something you can look back on and be like, that sports moment has really defined me? That's such a good question. I think the 2019 World Cup alone, like I just feel like was such a cool experience because I was able to help my team on the field and play the most minutes out of the field players and, you know, contribute to in whatever way I can to the team. And I think that moment like really was like, wow, you know, I can do this. I belong here. And I think it's important to kind of like look back and be like, well, no, I am good enough and I can do this. And knowing that. So I would just say like last summer and in general as a whole, just being able to be like, I helped my team win a world cup on the field. 
is something that's like so special to me, but also just like so humbling. And like, I'm honored to have had that experience. I want to talk all about this experience because it's just, I mean, there are a million little nooks and crannies to dive into about everything World Cup. And I mean, it makes total sense that looking back that has kind of shaped you. I mean, you to most people might have thought came out of nowhere because it's your for you. You're like, I've been hustling my whole life. But to the media, it's maybe like this is Abby Dahlkemper's first World Cup. Who is this defender? And also they're saying the defense doesn't look as good as they think it's going to be. So just kind of like this underdog starting at the beginning. What was it like to make the roster? How did you get that news? And did you have a feeling? Yeah, it was like a dream come true, obviously. Like I my anxious self was like, Oh my God, I hope I make it like all this stuff and getting that call from Joe and being like, yeah, you like made the world cup team. Like, let's do this, you know? And so I think like, it was definitely weight off your shoulders and a sense of like relief for me being like, okay, I am like selected to this team. Like there's 23 players and we have to get the job done at like all costs. So I think that that definitely was like relief, but it's also was kind of like, okay, well, it's go time. Like I, have to put my big girl pants on and like do this, you know? How many people did not get that call? This was something I was thinking about because as a volleyball player, you have six starters. Looking at a soccer team, there's just more bodies. Obviously, it's not to say it's not as competitive, but how many people didn't get that call that were training with the team is something I was thinking about. It's hard to say like an amount because like they... Because they could get anyone in the world. <laughs> Thousands exactly. to so get the call. I, I think that there was like some people that they like maybe had to call and be like, I'm so sorry you like just missed out or like we're not going to take you, but you're, you know, still involved in like the groups and training camps and stuff like pre and post World Cup. So I'm not sure like the exact number, but I know that like she had to, you know, make some hard decisions, which at the end of the day is like never fun. But I think obviously. Um, I always like try and say to myself that like adversity is, is hard, but it's good because it kind of shapes you into, um, you know, it, it allows you to be like, okay, I'm either going to take this head on or no, it's going to like crumble me. And I think that that is important and something that I've tried to always like remind myself that like adversity is really hard, but it's good and challenging and it makes you better in the end. And hopefully like you can learn something from it. How did you assess your role on the team? Once you know who's on this World Cup roster, once you realize who the other defenders are, who everyone and and knowing what they're going to bring to the table, what did you feel like your role was? I want to know this physically, but then I also want to know mentally there's culture, there's getting along with the girls. There's who's going to lead, who's going to bring energy, who's going to be stability. What were your roles mentally and physically? Physically, it was to be healthy and be fit enough to like play 90 minutes every game for up to seven games, obviously hoping it would be seven games, but like, and just being in tip top shape and being able to feel strong and healthy and Um, you know, doing things nutritionally that I needed to do. So I think that was like physically what I needed to do for the team. And then mentally, I think just being laser focused on the task at hand and being the best teammate I could be on and off the field, but also just in a sense of like, whatever anyone needs from me, I'm going to do because that's what we do. And this is a team sport and we need to get this like task 
done. Like we need to win. You talked about nerves. You talked about anxiety. Did you experience that in the game? Like the first national anthem with the crowd? Was it different than you were thinking? Yeah, I like definitely would be lying if I said that I wasn't nervous and anxious for, I think the biggest game that I was like the most nervous and anxious about was the first game because I was like, oh my God, I am playing in a world cup. Like it doesn't get bigger than this. And I was until like, I got the first touch of the ball and then I was like, okay, well, you know, this is just another game. And like, I've been doing this for a long time. So like, just do my best and contribute how I can. And like, I have 10 other players on the field that have my back and knowing that and knowing, you know, the strength of like the group as a whole was really important and something that was like, so I want to just say like encapsulating, like it, it, it was so strong that we were kind of just going into every game being like, we're not going to lose because we're like not going to let it happen. And that mentality and that like group effort, it was just like amazing. So it definitely gave me confidence. Was that a mentality that was spoken about? Because sometimes with teams and culture, you'll have a meeting at the start of the season or before the tournament where you say, this is a word we're going to emulate. This is the goals we want to hit. These are our standards. Did it naturally become because of the athletes you had combined? Or did coach or some leaders on the team say like, we are going to be a ruthless at all costs team? I think it was like this unspoken like belief in the group. And it's kind of like this US women's national team like culture that like you, we win and we're going to do whatever it takes to win. And it's like strong cultures and teams. I think you force people that are coming into this culture to like jump on board. And if not, like they're going to get lost. And I think that that just comes from like this strong belief in culture. And I think it's really cool that, you know, I was, like I've said before, like able to be a part of history and this group of women. And yeah, so I think that it was this unspoken belief. What did you learn from those greats? Because I can imagine, I mean, even we talked about Tierna in the beginning is so young. You are so young playing with women who you probably idolized. And now you're looking to your left, like I can pass you the ball. Did that spook you at all? Or was it just like, oh my gosh, I'm playing next to these icons. And did you learn anything from those players? Yeah, I definitely think it spooked me the first camp. I was like, oh my God, like I am on the same field with these legends. I've definitely like learned a lot from them. Like I think in particular, Obviously, like me and Becky Sauerbrunn have like played a lot together. And, you know, Julie's usually on the field, Julie Ertz and um, like Kelly O'Hara. And they've just been so nice and cool about helping me and answering questions. And I think, you know, for me, I'd rather get feedback than like no feedback at all. And I think them being able to kind of know me as a teammate was something that I like saw them do like they were like okay well Abby does best with you know positive feedback or you know encouragement and I think that that's important in a team sport is knowing the type of player that you're playing with and knowing like how you're going to get the best out of that player because at the end of the day like 
they're on your team and you obviously want them to do like the best that they can because you're going to do the best that that'll help you do your best and like be your best. So I definitely like learned a lot, obviously from watching and playing with a lot of players and just trying to like really like soak in as much information as I can, like on and off the field in um, like every way. I love the mindset. You've said a few times at all costs, which I think is a badass mentality to have is like at all costs, no excuses. We're going to get the job done. However, as with all sports and life, there are times where we don't get the job done. Or I know it was also the media kind of made it seem like getting that first goal scored on the team was like a, we let a goal in. We weren't going to do that perfect record. I mean, there are going to be times where it doesn't go the way we want. How do you handle that and find the fine line between I'm going to give my all and I'm going to make this happen versus things outside my control, mistakes that I might make because I'm human? Mm-hmm. It's so funny. I just feel like I still to this day am like working through when you make mistakes, how you respond. And I am very hard on myself. And I think that that is a good and a bad thing. Um, but I think, you know, just being like, okay, what is like constructive criticism for myself that, you know, I can learn from, you know, this mistake that I made and being like, okay, I'm going to designate X, Y, Z time to like dwell on it, feel the emotions, be sad, be mad, feel sorry for myself. But then that's not going to help me the next day. You know, like if I'm moping around for two or three days after, like it's not going to help. So feel what I need to feel and do what I need to do to learn from it, but also try my Midas to not let it happen again, you know? And I think that that's important. And I think, you know, playing defense and, you know, being on the back line and even the goalkeeper, like one mistake can lead to a goal. And that's really hard. And it's hard for a perfectionist. And I would label myself as a perfectionist. And like I said, that's good and bad, but also just being constructive in a way that is going to be helpful and positive and not being like, self-labeling or being like this one little thing happened. So now catastrophe has hit and I am like the world's worst play. You know what I mean? Like it's so easy to get in this like dark hole and like rabbit hole, like keep going down, down, down. But I think it's like important to realize, you know, your thoughts and be like, okay, I am observing these thoughts, but these thoughts are not me. These are just my thoughts. And realizing that and also being like, okay, well, now these thoughts are there, but I need to, you know, spin these thoughts and take it as a learning lesson and just be like, okay, this happened. It's not going to happen again. Yes. The mindfulness is so key. I'm like smiling so big when you said observing my thoughts, but knowing I am not my thoughts. The differentiating between who you are and like you, we are consciousness and there's like the voice inside of our head is game changing. I think for human beings, but also for athletes, Mm -hmm. when did you learn this stuff? When did you start thinking about mindfulness, stepping away from thoughts? Did you have a mentor teach you? Do you meditate psychology? What was it? Yeah, I, I think it was like all of that. I think, especially a couple of years ago, like I read this book, the untethered soul. Have you ever read that? Yes incredible. Talks all about ego and the voice. Yes. 
it is so, so good. I think my mom might've recommended it or someone I talked to was like, read this book. And so, yeah. So I think like a couple of years ago, I was like, whoa, this is like really cool. And I agree. I think it's like so cool to be like, yeah, of course, like we have these, you know, thoughts and your ego and all that. But I think it's one thing to like read about it and be like, yeah, that's cool. I understand. But it's also another thing to like implement it into your life and like use it and be like, oh, wow. Okay. I need to start doing this all the time and make it a habit. And I think, you know, it's going to be a work in progress. And I think I'll speak for myself, but I think in general, like, I think everyone can always try and like work on themselves and like try and be you know, a better person or, you know, work on things that maybe they need to work on personally. So I know that that's like really important. And it's something that, you know, I've worked on for several years now. And I think that it's like you said, for an athlete, it's like really important and very good to know what you need to, you know, be like your freshest physically and mentally and be at your best. And you said early on, that you are never satisfied. You want to be the best you can be. And obviously talking about that, I'm thinking physically, like you want to be the best defender, fastest, strongest, but the same rules apply to our mind. How good mentally can I be coming back from mistakes? How optimistic can I be in a situation that seems like everything's pitted against me? And that's the inner quiet work that takes years of reps that Mm. I think has played such a big part in those big moments. Actually, this is something I always talk about and I can actually ask someone because you've been on the world stage where the best of the best are going for a final trophy. How much of that final World Cup game do you think came down to mental toughness and strength? Everyone's good. Everyone's experienced. Everyone's able to be there. How much of that game comes down to who can be clutch and withstand the mental pressure? Yeah, I think I think it's like a lot of it. I think, you know, like tactics and playing the game a certain way can only get you so far. And I think then it does take mental toughness and like mental will and being like, I am going to get this job done. And I know that adversity is going to come during this game, but it's how I respond to adversity that really matters. And I think whoever responds to that better is going to come out on top on the other side. And I think, you know, just looking at the World Cup as a whole, mentality-wise, I was so laser-focused in all of the games. And I never, as an athlete, I'm sure you know this too, but like you always try and find like the zone, like, you know, like when you're in the zone and you're in the flow and everything just feels natural and, and not easy, but just simple. And I think I found the zone in the world cup and was just being, and I was just there. And I was just like in the state of flow and it was just like happening. And I think I just maybe was like thinking less and just like doing. How did you get into flow state? Because would you have a routine or was it just sheer luck that the stars aligned? Because it's tough to get there, especially when you're trying to get there. If yeah. I go to a game and I'm like, I want to be in flow, I, yeah. it doesn't happen. <laughs> no, I know. Honestly, I think it was like a little bit of stars aligning. I think also like we prepared so much specifics, certain instances. So I felt like at the end of the day, 
I've done all I could to be prepared for this moment. I'm prepared. I'm ready. I'm confident. So just go out and do it. You know, you've mentioned like goals got scored on us. We faced adversity. The England game in the semifinal was hard and, you know, we almost tied it. We almost had to go into overtime, but like just believing in the process and like falling back on, you know, everything that like we could have done, I think is like all that we could have done. And we were able to do that. And yeah. Would you say that practices that the national team simulated were tougher situations than the game? Because oftentimes it's, if you feel like you've overprepared, you're like, there's nothing that's going to happen that we haven't done. And I haven't like won against or overcome in practice. And I find that the best coaches make the game seem easy because practices are that hard. Yeah, I would definitely agree. I think our practices, like I'm at national camp right now and the inner squads are like when we practice against each other are so hard. And I was doing media earlier and I said, iron sharpens iron. And it is so true because when you have such good competition and you're playing against the best players in the world day in and day out, you're only going to get better and they're going to get better. And as long as you like allow yourself to improve and be open to constructive criticism, I think, you know, everyone's going to get better. And so, yeah, I think the coaching staff in our group as a whole, like did so much to prepare ourselves for, you know, the moments that we were put in to where I, England had a PK and Alyssa had to save it. And, you know, we had so much confidence in her because we knew that she was going to save it because she had done that so many times at practice. You know what I mean? Regardless, I mean, think about it now, like if they had scored that, like we still would have been confident to be like, okay, well, we've been here before tied last 10 minutes of the game, we're going to go and win this, you know? So I think just being over-prepared definitely helped us in that situation, I would say. We've talked about a lot of the adversity and the factors at play. And I think one of those things that's important and maybe underrated is the eyes and opinions on the team from media and from the rest of the world. You guys can do your thing. You can know what's going on. You can prepare. But then if you turn on the news that night and I don't know, some channel or networks predicting you lose or predicting so-and-so or whatever's not going to be good enough. I mean, that, that has an impact. Did you pay attention to media? Did you go cold on social? How did you navigate thousands of eyes critiquing every game? It's funny because I like used to in the past, like search my name on Twitter or like be so concerned about what- That's the number one thing you should never do. Search your own name on oh, Twitter. Yeah. It's no, going to be bad. just disastrous. <laughs> but yeah, it was, it's bad. But I think during the World Cup and during that run, people were going to say what they wanted to say. But a lot of us, me included, like kind of just shut the media down. And I would not- go on Twitter during the summer and during that tournament because we kind of like stayed in this bubble that we created for ourselves and we wanted to get the job done. So I think, you know, it didn't really matter what people were saying. And if anything, I think it just fueled the fire, which yeah, was a really special thing. And it's like, makes me smile so big looking back at it because, you know, actions speak a lot bigger than words. And that's kind of what we did. Like we made an impact 
like through our actions and not kind of speaking. Did you watch Last Dance, the Michael Jordan documentary? Yes, loosely, loosely. Why? Because I was, (laughs) as I was thinking about the media's critique of your team and I mean, just the words used arrogant, provocative. I mean, just ridiculous. And I was thinking to myself, I watched the last dance documentary. No one is telling Michael Jordan to, to let up and play easier. No one's telling male teams to simmer down on your cheering because it's not polite. And it was just such a double standard for your team to have literally worked your entire lives to Mm -hmm. dominate the way you did and then be told "Mm, that wasn't in the best taste. It's like, says who? Yeah. Says says you because they're female athletes. I know. I agree. And I think media and especially social media, I think, you know, people always have something to say behind a screen and it's always, it's always never good enough, you know, regardless of what you do, like if it's good or bad, you know, it's, they score too much or, you know, they weren't good enough and all this stuff. So you know, I just think knowing that people are going to always have their opinions on yourself and, you know, the team and, and everything, and they're going to critique every little thing. You know, I think at the end of the day, if you're a media person, that's kind of your job, right. To talk about the team and talk about, you know, certain players and stuff. But I just think knowing that like people are just going to talk and whatever they say is like, not going to let it affect me. I think it's like important to like know and important to like practice every day because at the end of the day, someone is always going to have an opinion that you don't want to hear. What did the media and people not see or know about this team? Because like you said, people on the internet like to think they know everything. Oh, I know who I would be playing. Oh, I know what I would do against this team. What were the things that we didn't see that you think are important to know? I think the absolute team camaraderie, um, the, the coming togetherness, I think was so special. I talked about this culture and like how strong of a culture it was. And at the end of the day, just like having each other's backs. I don't think the media like truly saw that. I think the selflessness too of the team and people playing their parts to a T, you know, whether that be on the B team being like, okay, I have to be the scout team. Like I have to act like I'm this other team and I have to prepare the 11 selected for the game. So I think, you know, that just the sheer like selflessness of the team and the togetherness, I would say is something that, you know, I'll never forget. And something that was really, truly so, so special for our team. And it was just like such a unforgettable, but also like the most enjoyable ride of ups and downs ever. From the outside looking in, it seems like no one had an ego. I mean, despite the media saying things were arrogant or whatever, I really think when you look at interviews, you look at players like Alex or Megan, you know, they come across as very for the team. The only people putting this persona on any of these quote unquote star players is the media. And so to hear from you saying it's so selfless, no one on the team is focused on themselves or who's getting the attention or who's getting the interview. You know, it's just ironic. Yeah, no, it is. I think, you know, someone creates this narrative and then people play off the narrative and they eat it up. They like are like, yeah, that's that's how it is. And it's like, well, no, that's not how it was. You weren't there. (laughs) And how would you know? 
But, you know, it's just, it's something that as professional athletes, and I feel like everyone in, like in general that's in the spotlight just kind of has to deal with is media. And, you know, people, like I said, are just always going to have something to say, whether it's good or bad. The last thing I kind of want to talk about and hear your thoughts on is obviously it's such a confused time and it can be tough, especially in, like, in a situation like yours. There are so many awesome things that your team is doing and that you're doing for the betterment of the world. Yet we're also in quarantine, yet there's so much uncertainty. How are you staying motivated and happy when there is so much to get down about? Yeah, I think, you know, that is like such a good question for 2020. I think there are a lot of people, I think everyone's just been having a really tough year. And I think, like I said earlier, I think like hard is okay. As long as you are, you know, I feel like specifically I've been trying to like do things for myself, do things that make me happy, you know, take time for myself to meditate, whether it's in the morning or at night go on walks, be with my dog, you know, talk to my boyfriend or friends or like people or family, like people that love me and are fun to talk to. And so I think, you know, finding little things that like make you happy and kind of can be your release from this like craziness of 2020 is really important, but I'm not going to like sugarcoat and be like, oh yeah, 2020 was great and fine. I think 2020 has been really hard soccer has been hard with the stop and go and not being able to see your loved ones, not being able to be with family and, you know, kind of altering plans, not kind of being stuck in the house. And, you know, it's hard, but at the end of the day, it's like a pandemic and the pandemic is real and people are losing their lives. And so it's important to like take care of each other and do your best to help everyone else around you and in your community and stuff. So I think it's been like a really hard year, but I think there's a lot to look forward to. And yeah, I'm like, hopefully it ends in January. (laughs) Yeah, I know. I'm like, I hope it doesn't extend to 2021, but even if it does, it's like, okay, well, this sucks, but like, we're all in it together and everyone's having a hard time and that's okay. I, completely agree. And the meaningful connections with those few people in your life is so important, especially when we feel so disconnected from what the future holds. We need to connect in the present with the people we do have that make us feel good. Exactly. That's like so funny. You said the what the future holds, because I feel like one of the biggest things that I've learned this year is what I've been trying to learn this year is I am such a planner and I love to have control of like my life and things and knowing that I can't plan like really makes me anxious. And I am like, okay, I need to be a little more, go with the flow, be in the present, be in the now, like don't get too far ahead of myself. So I think this year has helped me. (laughs) There are those takeaways. There are those things we've been forced to learn about ourselves or let go because of the current situation. Not saying the current situation was worth it for these small personal epiphanies, but if we come out of it having, having that change, I mean, it can be wildly helpful going forward. And then lastly, any advice for the athlete who put this on because they're like, oh my gosh, I look up to this girl. Oh my gosh, this team. And, you know, they've just got all of these things they're dealing with as a, as a young player? Yeah, I think 
you know, it's always such a hard question to answer, but I think like out of everything I would say to just be ready for adversity and kind of know that no one's journey is going to look exactly like yours. And that's okay. People take different paths to get to, you know, where they want. I think it's important to dream big and strive for greatness and knowing that, you know, adversity is going to happen throughout your life and throughout your career or whatever you want to do, but just being able to respond to adversity and, you know, getting over those little bumps in the road is really important. But I also think to like enjoying where you are and being appreciative for the moment and being your biggest fan too, I think is something that's really important and something that I think, you know, people should know and and realize and appreciate. And personally, that's one of the biggest things it sounds like you had to learn was that you needed to be the one at the end of the day that believed you were good enough. Yeah. No one's going to do it for you. And it's a hard truth, but no one is going to live your life for you. You have to live your life and you have to be nice and loving to yourself. Yes, you do. I love that. Abby, thank you so much. I just love chatting with you. It flew by. so fast. I literally was like, what? I was just thinking that I was like, this must be the best episode because I'm like, oh my gosh, it's been an hour and I didn't even, (laughs) it's like, it's been 10 minutes. I know. I'm so sorry if I was literally talking your ear off. No, that is exactly why I have a podcast and why I wanted you on it. I'm like, talk our ears off. We want to hear all about your life. Thank you so much. I really appreciate your time. Of course. Thank you for having me. If you enjoyed this episode of Real Pod, don't forget to rate, review, and subscribe wherever you listen to podcasts. And to keep up with Abby, you can find her on Instagram at Abby Dahlkemper. She is fantastic. I love rooting for her. I love keeping up with her journey. Thank you again for listening to Real Pod. Make sure you leave that review if you've been enjoying the show. It takes about 10, 20 seconds to rate and leave a little message. And once again, that special message might be read on the next episode. So I really appreciate reading and hearing from all of you. Thank you so much for listening to this episode. Make sure you keep up with Real Pod on Instagram by following us at RealPod. And you can also follow me at Victoria Garrick. Thanks again, you guys. And as always, keep it real.